Hello there, one and all. My name is Ian Loring. Welcome to Cinerama. Coming up this week, reviews including a new horror reboot, uh, one I've been particularly looking forward to as Jason puts on the ho hockey mask again for Friday the 13th, and a trailer which had me convinced I was going to be sitting uh, with an erection for an hour and a half. Uh, I take a look at the what looks like almost softcore porn but isn't uh vicky christina barcelona i also kick off the unseen hitchcock marathon with his 1942 film saboteur there's trailer talk movie news and listener feedback so plenty to get our teeth into on this show now for uh those of uh more uh kind of checking your updates frequently we'll uh see that there is another episode on the feed this week uh, on Friday night, I hooked up via Skype with the guys from Chinstroker vs. Punter to guest on their show um, for a crossover we've called Chinorama. Um, I must congratulate them for thinking up that name because it's a good one. Um, on the show, we discussed Alan Ball's controversial drama Towelhead and drunk far too much alcohol for a discussion of that film. Uh, you can download the episode on this feed or the Chinstroker versus Punter feed. And um, I haven't actually listened to the episode uh, just yet because I don't like the sound of my own voice. But I will say that the guys are tenta uh, tentatively scheduled, but I'm pretty damn sure it's confirmed, to join me for an episode of Cinerama in a few weeks' time. They're going to be joining me for the Watchmen episode. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to that, and I hope you guys are as well. So, anyway, um, I, I, I had a very, very fun time recording that show, and uh, hopefully I'll be on that show again because it, it was a real laugh. So uh, thank you to Mike and Paul again. Um, it was was uh mucho entertaining anyway uh enough sycophantic stuff out uh, out the way uh feedback is more than welcome please email cinerama podcast at yahoo.co.uk you can follow me on twitter at twitter.com forward slash ian loring which i update far too frequently um do 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 you can read me on the rattle.co.uk during the week i do a weekly dvd column as well as a few other things on there um Votes on Podcast Alley, much appreciated. Reviews on iTunes would be uber, uber appreciated. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it, basically. So, uh, I, I did say I was going to do a Tumblr blog, and I still am planning on it, but I, I, there's not enough hours in the day. So, uh, one day, I swear. Um, anyway, let's get us kicked off. Uh, we're going to take a trip to Camp Crystal Lake. So, don't smoke weed, don't have sex, don't have beer. Don't go out by yourself and uh, don't piss off Jason. It's Friday the 13th. Did you know a young boy drowned here? He was my son. And today is his birthday. <laughs> You won't believe my parents' cabin. Here we are. Very nice, huh? Just get your ass to the door. I don't want to say. sister she's gone missing have you seen her jane listen she's dead people go missing around here they're gone for good Right then, lead review of the week is Friday the 13th, directed by Marcus Nispel. This stars Jared Padalecki, Danielle Panabaker, Amanda Rigatti, Travis Van Winkle, uh, Aaron Yu, and Derek Mears. Okay, so Friday the 13th is a remake, reboot, reimagining, uh, rehash, whatever, uh, of the uh, 1980, I believe, film of the same name. It sees the story of Jason Voorhees, who sees his mother beheaded uh, by a woman at Camp Crystal Lake, 
and uh, left to fend for himself in the forest goes a bit mad. When Jason gets through a pack of teens, one of them including a girl called Whitney, this alerts the suspicions of Whitney's brother Clay, uh, Whitney played by Amanda Rigatti, uh, Clay played by Jared Padalecki, who joins up with a group of kids having a weekend at a uh, lake house, um, the lake house owned by Trent's father, Trent played by the amazingly named Travis Van Winkle. And Clay soon kind of hooks up with Jenna, played by Danielle Panabaker, to try and find Whitney. But uh, these folks, some other people, some faceless people, find themselves soon at the uh, mercy of Jason Voorhees, played by Derek Mears. Okay, so I was looking to forward to this film an awful, awful lot. The trailers really did do it for me. I liked the idea of a running Jason. I liked the look of the film, um, which is not a surprise considering I liked the look of the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is directed, which was directed by uh, this film's director, Marcus Nispel. So. Uh, I yeah I went into it with very very high hopes I was ridiculously excited for it um, in the week prior to seeing it I became gradually more and more excited about it really so uh, you know I think I was well set up for a disappointment um, now it's been getting a lot of middling reviews uh, two star reviews in Empire and Total Film a somewhat predictable one star review in The Guardian spring to mind uh, this weekend but I've got to say I had an absolute blast with this fucker um, it's not the be all and end all of all horror films of course it's not uh, there are problems but it is uh, a rather effective reboot which lovingly play pays homage to the original films while not being afraid to update them. The film basically condenses the first three films of the series in terms of Jason's development. Um, the mother being the killer aspect is swiftly um, taken care of in the opening titles as she is beheaded. Um, Jason starts with some sort of bag over his head but soon finds the hockey mask and uh, the climax of the film recalls one of the other films as well though I will not spoil it for you by saying which one. So you know there are these aspects of the original films that uh, have been pulled from but at the same time there are new elements introduced. You will see just how Jason is able to tell where certain people are at certain times. Um, you'll see that in this, Jason's not retarded. He's deformed, that's for sure, but he's obviously not retarded. He knows how to do a lot of things, mainly involving killing. And he's smart, he's brutal, he's effective, and he's fast. And I really liked Derek Mears' performance as Jason Voorhees, considering he's just basically a man behind a mask you get the sense that he just he does want to be left alone and that the, he does see these people as people responsible for his mother's death and you will see that he's very effective at dealing with these people um now the people themselves uh, are some of the best slasher fodder i've seen in quite some time TV's uh, Jared Padalecki, who uh, my girlfriend absolutely loves to watching in Supernatural, uh, is effective, uh, if rather one note, but the fact that he's not really interested in the sex, drugs and rock and roll, instead just trying to find his, sis find his sister, very simply makes him a character you can latch onto. As uh, does Whitney, played by Danielle Panabaker, who joins him in this quest. And the fact that she's not too interested in that as well makes her more kind of interesting than the usual slasher fodder, I suppose. But uh, one of the more generic slasher fodder guys, um, Chewy, played by Aaron Yu, uh, is also memorable. I like Aaron Yu. I liked him in 21, Disturbia, and Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. And I was very pleased to see him in this Uh he smokes weed, he drinks, he, he goggles over women, but he has enough memorable moments, including an unfortunate moment where he calls a character's name by the actor's name. I'll let you spot that for yourself. Um, I did spot that, I must say. Um, 
but he puts in a likable, warm and funny performance, which I uh, very much enjoyed. But the best performance in the film must surely belong to Trent, played by Travis Van Winkle, a man who is an absolute dick. He invites these people to his parents' lake house, but doesn't think they're going to trash the place, which happens fairly quickly, and he gets very pissed off about it. But he is uh, distracted by the stupendous breasts of one of the other um, ladies on holiday with him so uh, but he's just absolutely incredible he screams like a girl he's reactionary to the extreme he takes an instant instant dislike to clay which is just brilliant and he just plays a douchebag so well that um, you, you want him to die but you don't want him to die just because he's so entertaining and I I, yeah, it's the stuff of it's the stuff of future horror legend, and um, I mean he's he's just absolutely terrific in this film, and it's just it's a great it's genuinely a great performance. I really really enjoyed him. Um, but you know, perform I mean the rest of the cast are your usual kind of blonde haired, big boobed, or good looking blokes kind of, like uh, as just fodder. But some do get memorable moments, in, uh, especially in their kills. Um, my, my personal highlights were Sleeping Bag Girl and Water Skiing Girl, I will say that much. Um, so, on to the kills, though, uh, which is one of, the, one of the elements you're going to be coming for, really. Um, none of them, are the, apart from those ones I just mentioned, none of them are, are that memorable. But they're still effective um the film's never really that scary but it is suspenseful and you know it's pretty brutal but it feels oddly sanitized now they were obviously shooting for an 18 in the uk r in the us as f-bombs are all over the place and there's copious amounts of nudity throughout which was fun uh it must be said but the violence was often cut away rather quickly there's blood, but there's not a hell of a lot of blood. And to be honest with you, I'm wondering why they didn't just go all out. I'm hoping there's going to be some sort of uncut release when it comes to DVD and Blu-ray. Because it just felt like it should have lingered a bit more. And it could have, because they weren't exactly shooting for a lesser rating. And that aspect is a bit disappointing. And I think it's one that they could amp up in the um, in, in, in the sure-to-be-filmed sequel. Um... But, you know, I mean, apart from that, it's a great, great throwback to old school slasher. slashers. It's funny without being self-referential. It treats Jason Voorhees as the kind of psycho killer that he should be treated as. Um, it's got a fun sequel hinting ending which could take the series in some interesting directions but i do even though it must be said i do like the fact that this film reigns in the more outlandish stuff and kind of goes for a more down-to-earth nature and it's well shot by marcus nispel it is glossy looking but you know that's fine it's an old school slasher film made with the technical know-how and proficiency of a lower to medium budget hollywood film today and I don't see there really being a problem with that. Um, I I genuinely had great fun with this film. It's you know it's not without its problems. It must be said that after the excellent opening 15-20 minutes or so, the film does slow down the pace somewhat for the next 20 minutes. And I was getting a little restless, but then for the next hour or so, it just ramps it up, and you'll soon forget about the the slackening pace. But you know what? I liked it. Um, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of people out there who will disagree with me, but personally, I thought it was a loving tribute and a very successful reboot to a franchise that, after Jason X, even though I liked that film, did need a reboot, because what can you really do with the character after Jason X? Um, a real success, I think, to be honest, and uh, a film I would thoroughly recommend to any horror genre f uh, fans out there okay it be movie news time and got a few things for you this week so let's get straight into it and first of all it's business news time uh <laughs> okay so this week the uh rather 
stunning uh, news that DreamWorks has entered into a long-term distribution deal with Walt Disney Studios on their, it must be noted, live-action films. Um, it had been thought that Universal, um, Spielberg's kind of spiritual home, um, was going to be uh, taking the reins of distributing um, DreamWorks films. Uh, now that DreamWorks is uh, splitting up from Paramount and becoming its own kind of entity again, um, in terms of making films anyway. But um, yeah, while DreamWorks animation stays at Paramount, and good, because DreamWorks animation under Disney would just be weird. Um, yeah, it, it, it would appear that um, Disney and Spielberg will be working together. Um, not too much to uh, add to that really, but... Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think Disney do some of the best marketing, um, speaking from, like, working in a cinema point of view. Uh, they're always very up together with um, in um, getting us promotional material. Um, we've always got standees of all, all, loads of Disney distributed films. And uh, Disney are also very good with supplying us with trailers as well. So, um yeah, I think this could probably only be a good thing for DreamWorks, to be honest. And, uh, yeah, fair play to him. Okay, uh, next. Tom Cruise is considering working with David Cronenberg. Um, it's been previously announced that uh, David Cronenberg is to uh, direct uh, The Matteries Circle, um, starring uh, Denzel Washington, based on a novel by Robert Ludlum. Uh, but apparently Tom Cruise is thinking about entering uh, the film also. Um, it would see Cruise and Washington be enemy spies targeted, uh, targeted by a shadowy organisation, uh, as quoted by uh, Russ Fisher over at Chud.com. And, um, yeah, it's it could only be good for him, I suppose. Um, I liked him in Valkyrie, I liked him in Tropic Thunder. Uh, think what you like about him pers uh, personality-wise, but he seems to be going for some good roles at the moment, and uh, working with Cronenberg should be very interesting. Uh, yeah, let's see how Cronenberg does with... Uh, does with that hey eh? uh okay next um christopher nolan has announced his next project and it's not going to be uh, a batman film uh good i would say just because it's nice for him to have a break and if he makes a film like the prestige again as he did um in between batman begins and the dark knight then that can only be good so the film is going to be called inception it's a sci-fi film <coughs> uh he wrote it himself and it's going to be released by Warner Brothers and will be in cinemas uh, next year. So, um, yeah, uh, not much is known about it. Looks good. Uh, Christopher Nolan doing sci-fi sounds good to me. And, uh, yeah, bring it. And lastly, um, a projected lineup for Cannes has been uh, announced. And it looks pretty damn great it's got to be said um some of the highlights pedro almodovar's film uh a new film broken embraces lars von trier's new film antichrist michael haneke's new film the white ribbon inglorious bastards i think we know who's directing that ang lee's new film uh taking woodstock uh joel and ethan cohen's a serious man steven soderbergh with two films perhaps the girlfriend experience and the informant terry gilliam's the uh, imaginarium of dr parnassus uh, Alejandro Aminabar's uh, new film, he hasn't directed one in, in a while, Agora, uh, Gaspar Noe's new film, uh, Enter the Void, uh, Park Chan-wook, uh, his new film, First, and, uh, well, Johnny Toe's new film, Vengeance, and Bong Joon-ho's film, Mother. 2009 shaping up to be uh, an incredible year, it's got to be said. Um, all of those films I mentioned, I am very much looking forward to. Uh, uh, highlights uh, a serious man um first inglorious bastards the imaginarium of dr parnassus um uh, the white ribbon certainly uh, uh you know uh i got just all of the ones i mentioned man um it, it just all sounds brilliant what can i say uh yeah so i suppose that's all i've got to say on the matter really uh so that's it for your movie news this week and i'm sure there shall be more next week Pepe's 
tanto buscarse sin encontrarse. To your summer in Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah. We commissioned this artist to do the series of pictures. Yeah. Is that the artist beautiful. over there? He had this hot divorce and she tried to kill him. What? I am Juan Antonio. And you are? Christina, and this is my friend Vicky. I'd like to invite you both to spend the weekend. We'll eat well, we'll drink good wine, we'll make love. Uh, who, who exactly is going to make love? Hopefully, the three of us. Uh, this guy, he doesn't beat around the bush. Look, senor, maybe in a different life. I think that you're still hurting from the failure of your marriage to marry Elena, and to be perfectly frank, Juan Antonio, I'm engaged to be married. And you? I'll go to your room, but you have to seduce me. Why were you so nervous? <laughs> There'd be nothing to worry about. I was in love with the most incredible woman, and she put a knife into me. My God, that's terrible. Well, maybe you did something to deserve it. Okay, second review of the week. Vicky Cristina Barcelona, directed and written by Woody Allen. This stars Javier Bardem, Scarlett Johansson, Rebecca Hall and Penelope Cruz. Two women, Vicky played by Rebecca Hall and Cristina played by Scarlett Johansson, go to Spain for the summer. They soon meet up with Juan Antonio, a famous painter played by Javier Bardem, who invites them to spend the weekend with him for... uh, uh, eating food, drinking wine, and making love. Vicky's not too pleased with this, as she is engaged to be married, as she says many times in the film, but Christina is bang up for it. Um, however, after an unfortunate uh, incident, Vicky finds herself with Juan Antonio and and finds herself falling for him. But then Christina gets back in there and soon moves in with him, but then Juan Antonio's ex Maria, played by Penelope Cruz, comes to stay, and things get even more complicated. Okay, uh, so this is another supposed uh, return to form for Woody Allen, who needs no introduction, but who has not, in my opinion, made a good film since Sweet and Lowdown, I think over a decade ago. Uh, many hailed Match Point as a return to film. Uh, return to form. Sorry, I thought that film. Well, I only watched about half an hour of it, and then I had to switch it off because I could not deal with the um, horrific portrayal of the English language, basically in the accenting, and the story wasn't quite grabbing me either. Um, he then, after that, made Scoop, which, despite the promising cast of Woody Allen himself, Hugh Jackman and Scarlett Johansson, did not receive cinema or DVD distribution in the UK, and in fact premiered for the first time ever in the UK legally on the on BBC Two uh, a couple of weeks ago, as it was co-funded by the BBC. His last film, Cassandra's Dream, was pretty much railroaded as one of the worst films of Allen's career, and so... I think many may be seeing Vicky Cristina Barcelona as a return to form just because he hasn't really made that good a film in a while. But what did I think of it then? Well, um, there are positives and there are negatives. I'll start with the positives. Uh, My perpetual man crush, Javier Bardem, uh, puts in a really quite terrific performance as a Lothario painter who, you know, just asks women for threesomes just after meeting them um could have been easily portrayed as a dick but javier bardem is so just like charming and warm in the film and the writing for his character is so good that you kind of see where why the women would fall for him quite so easily It's an interesting way of taking his character in that he never bullshits around. He never fucks with anyone. He's very honest. He's very upfront about his intentions and what he plans to do and whatnot. But, you know, it it, it, it all just works, really. You can kind of see, especially Christina, played by Scarlett Johansson, why she would go for him, really. And, um, yeah, it's it's a very likeable performance. It may well be the best thing about the film. But Scarlett Johansson is also very good as Christina. Um, uh, uh, you know, she puts in a... You, you can kind of... Again, she is a potentially annoying character. A woman who knows what she doesn't want, but doesn't know what she wants. 
who might find actual happiness with Juan Antonio. Uh, and yeah, she's she's you know she's sexy, obviously. Um, again, she's quite charming. You know, she's kind of naive, but with a sense of knowing. But you know, you get the sense that she could be hurt very badly by by all this stuff as well. And it's an interesting performance. It's quite a complex one, and I would like to have seen her character developed a bit more, really, as, you know, what she says and what she does sometimes are two very different things, and I think that it could have been some interesting uh, avenues for conflict, really. Now, Penelope Cruz has been getting a lot of praise for this film, and in a way that's fair enough, I suppose, but... She's not in it for as much as I thought she actually would be, and this really did come as a surprise to me, as her character is... I mean, it's a very, very good performance, do not get me wrong, but... And, and it's it's also fairly complex, I mean, and it's very well written, but she just doesn't... She makes quite an impact, but she's just not on screen enough to really do too much... And I could, I, I don't know, it would have been nice to see some more conflict in their character, because there is some initial conflict between her and Scarlett Johansson, but they fall into a comfortable groove fairly easily. And towards the end of the film, she becomes a little bit too caricature. And um, it felt like Alan knew he had to have some sort of dramatic ending, so he kind of shoehorned her into the ending. And it, it, it doesn't quite work, but her performance is you know, good enough to sustain it. Um, but, at the same time, the, the 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 writing also doesn't help in the case of Rebecca Hall's character, Vicky. And I've got to say, she nearly railroad... Uh, well, destroyed the film completely for me. <sighs> Vicky, you can kind of read a character like a book... As soon as she said she's engaged for like the fourth or fifth time, you just know that that she's gonna have some sort of problems with Juan Antonio. Um, you know, there's it, it's gonna she she's gonna um she's gonna fall for him. But it it it's just that her performance is very very one note. She, she just she's just there and she's uptight and she's quite neurotic and then after one night with Juan Antonio that's not a spoiler it happens about 20 25 minutes into the film okay um she gets all ditzy and then doesn't know what to do and then oh I don't know whether I'm in love or not even though I've only spent one night and oh it's crazy and I shouldn't be doing this and it's it's weird because Alan's writing is so much less subtle with her character. Um, I mean, like I said, she's very one-note. Her dialogue is very, very on the nose. And it, it's just... I mean, like the char- her character comes off as immature. And I, I mean, far more immature than any other character in the film, actually. Even though, at the start, she does seem mature, but then she's not so mature. It's just all very predictable. And the arc her character arc as well by the end of it is completely fucking pointless her her particular character is at the same position at the end as she is at the start and it just does not work i mean christina grows a bit juan antonio kind of grows a bit actually and it 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 was just meh and the thing is, Alan seems to acknowledge this because he spends an awful, awful lot of time on Christina's arc in the film. I mean, Vicky's pretty much forgotten for a good 20 minutes of the film at one point. And I I don't know, I, whenever she was on screen, I wanted her off screen. And this is not helped by Rebecca Hall's performance. And considering the amount of buzz she's getting, I was not impressed with her in Frost Nixon or this. So I'm not too sure about her at all. But, um... Yeah, I mean, the, the but the writing around a character does not help either. I must also say that another aspect of the writing did not impress at all, and that was the voiceover. Voiceover is generally acknowledged as one of the laziest things you can do in screenwriting. 
and even though in some cases I'm uh, and I mean I in my review for the rattle I actually wrote uh, I, 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 effective uses include Magnolia and the assassination of Jesse James just off the top of my head but with this it's horrible all it does is give us exposition and stuff that the characters are thinking and this all could have been done just in dialogue between the characters and it would have felt far less clunky and I don't really know what Alan was going for it it seemed like he wanted to kind of cut the film's runtime down or something and I mean it is a very brisk film at about an hour and 40 minutes but the voiceover is just constantly there constantly telling you what people are thinking and what's going on and it's just like Alan doesn't treat the audience with enough intelligence to really grasp what's going on and it's incredibly annoying um i mean just talking about the negative aspects make me think more negatively of this film compared to his output for the last few uh, well the last 10 years or so vicky christina barcelona is a return to form but compared to his best films i mean it doesn't even it doesn't even deserve mention in the same breath as films like Manhattan or Annie Hall or Hannah and Her Sisters uh, or Sweet and Low Down. And it's just, it's very, very annoying. Um, you know, it's nice to see a Woody Allen film actually getting decent distribution in the UK, I'll say that much. But it's a film which ultimately left me rather cold. And considering the intentions of the film i i've got them i think that marks it up as a failure and it must also be said for those of you who want to know there's no nudity in this film it is quite sensual at times but it's not exactly soft core so you know hey you're not going to get any scarlett johansson stuff going on here um unfortunately but hey so yeah vicky christina barcelona uh, a rather big disappointment really but there are decent aspects to it too but I would say wait for it on DVD or Blu-ray. Ten hot eyes forward. My name is Lieutenant Aldo Ray, and I need me eight soldiers. We're gonna be dropped into France, dressed as civilians. We're gonna be doing one thing, one thing only. Killing Nazis. Yes, sir! Members of the National Socialist Party conquered Europe through murder, torture, intimidation, and terror. And that's exactly what we're gonna do to them. We will be cruel to the German. And through our cruelty, they will know who we are. They will find the evidence of our cruelty in the disemboweled, dismembered, and disfigured bodies their brothers we leave behind us. And the German will not be able to help themselves from imagining the cruelty their brothers endured at our hands our boot heels and the edge of our knives and the German will be sickened by us and the German will talk about us and the German will fear us Nazi ain't got no humanity they need to be destroyed each and every man under my command owes me 100 Nazi scalps and I want my scalps. Nine, 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 nine. Sound good? Yes, sir. It's trailer talk time. Uh, you want to notice there? That was the first time I've ever played a trailer in its entirety, but I think it's worth it. Um, everybody knows who's listening to this podcast what that trailer is and if you don't you need to download the teaser trailer for quentin tarantino's inglorious bastards right now um that is a fucking trailer and a half i i hope you'll agree um sets out the film's stall very very quickly um an awesome tagline there are no crimes behind enemy lines that is a fucking good tagline um and i mean brad pitt looks fucking brilliant in the film his speech is incredible even eli roth looks all right in it and he's you know he doesn't even do that much in it but i mean that is i mean that is an announcement and a half that fucking trailer um i mean 
it just looks like I don't know, like a new kind of war film or something. I mean, it uh, it's going to be weird to see Quentin Tarantino doing a proper period piece. It's got to be said, but I mean that shot of the woman running with the blood on her face was like something out of fucking uh, high tension. Um, I, it's just an absolutely stunning trailer and. I mean, I can't wait to see War um, Through the Eyes of Quentin Tarantino, I've got to say. Um, August the 21st, I believe it comes out in America. Yep, August the 21st. I really fucking hope that's a worldwide release date, because I don't know how I'm going to be able to contain my excitement. Um, There's more and more stuff this year that I'm really, 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 really looking forward to. And, I mean, apart from Watchmen, this one's right up the top of my fucking list. I absolutely cannot wait for this film and i mean just that bit with adolf hitler at the end i mean it was just it was so weird but so brilliant nine 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 uh, and, uh, I, I mean i don't know each of you owe me a hundred scalps and i want my scalps i mean like I'm, i think this is going to be vintage tarantino and him, I hopefully successfully pulling off something he's never done before, and I cannot wait for this film. Um, by comparison, the other two trailers I'm going to talk about are barely worth even talking about, but I suppose I should. One I liked uh, better than the other. Let's start with one I didn't like so much. Thousands are gathered in St. Peter's Square. The new Pope has yet to be selected. attack from an old enemy find professor london he exposed one of the greatest cover-ups in human history da vinci but what terrifying discovery would make the vatican turn to him that's illuminati the illuminati were a secret society dedicated to scientific truth the catholic church ordered a brutal massacre to silence them forever they've come for their revenge There's a hidden trail through Rome itself. I need access to the Vatican archives. Access to the archives is only by written decree by the Holy Father. Fellas, you called me. Okay, uh, first proper, I suppose, trailer for Angels and Demons. The sequel, prequel to The Da Vinci Code. Uh, I was led to believe the book was was set before The Da Vinci Code. Uh, But am I wrong? But it said that he discovered the like the secret of the Da Vinci Code, but what could make the Vatican want to want him for help? So I don't quite know what was going on there. But um, okay, uh, I'll say this: I I have already guessed apparently correctly the bad guy in this film. Um, I I literally guessed from the plot synopsis, and I have been told uh, that I am right. Um, if you want to take some stabs in the dark, feel free to email me and I'll tell you. Um, and it just... I'm going to have to see it because it's one of the big summer films. Um, but you know what? There's there's not that much anticipation for this one. Um, the, the, the Da Vinci Code hit with uh, all like all the welcome of a, 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 of a, a eggy um, uh, smelling fart. And I've got a feeling this one's... It's probably going to do all right with the international box office, but it's not even going to get close to Da Vinci Code. And, I mean, we've been told it's going to be more thrilling and it's going to be more streamlined than the Da Vinci Code. And, yes, that does seem to be there. Fair enough. But, you know, it's the Professor following a load of clues to things again and there's going to be more explosions, there's going to be more chases and whatnot. But there's a large portion of I do not give a flying fuck and the trailer does not convince me otherwise. Um, you know, ah, oh, the Vatican, the bad guys, really, ooh, who knows, you know, uh, Ewan McGregor will do anything for a paycheck, it would seem, um, pretty much all artistic credibility from that guy has pretty much gone out the window now, even though I am looking forward to I Love You, Philip Morris, the, uh, his film with Jim Carrey, it must be said, but, you know, just very whatever, very meh, um, not really interested in the slightest, but I will see it. You know, hey, um, I suppose I 
you know, touch wood, I'm in the job in May, but I get to see shit for free anyway, so why not? But it's not one I'm particularly looking forward to. The trailer doesn't convince me otherwise. On to our last trailer of the week. Though I must say two things. First, I told our web over Facebook that I was going to review the Damned United trailer. It feels a little too in the kind of past now. So my absolute apologies to Al. Al, I will be reviewing the film on the show and I am very much looking forward to it. And also a full trailer for Land of the Lost turned up uh, this week, but it doesn't really tell you much more than that um, TV spot I did on Trailer Talk a couple of weeks back, so I'm not going to do that one either. But one other trailer which I'm uh, for a film I'm very intrigued by now. Okay, I'm going to need the R train to switch over to the express tracks at 34th Street. Unlock the door, do it now, or I'll kill you. Everybody else, this side's facing the window. Patrol center, call him Pelham 123. Why'd you stop, 123? You're all green ahead. Rail control center, do you read me? Who is this? This is a man who's gonna give the city a run for the money. Now, what is the price for New York City hostages this morning? What do you think, a million a piece is too high? Oh, I'm not a hostage negotiator. I'm a civil service employee. Oh, I think you'll do just fine. Now, what time do you got on your watch? 2.13. 59 minutes, I'm gonna start killing passengers. You don't want innocent people dying, do you? You tell me. I'm very, very much looking forward to this. I've got to say, um, I've not seen the original The Taking of Pelham 123, but uh, I, I do want to, I must say. And uh, this looks very promising. Um, remake is directed by Tony Scott and stars Denzel Washington and John Travolta. And uh, interesting premise, I've got to say. Uh, subway train taken hostage and uh, just a civil engineer, service engineer guy's got to um, try and rescue the people um it looks looks like it's going to be i'm hoping for a bit more like subtle direction from tony scott he dialed it down for deja vu after the um epileptic uh spaz fit of um domino and i'm hoping for there's obviously going to be action as the trailer does show but i'm hoping for a fair bit of just like john travolta versus denzel washington getting a little bit of like a collateral kind of thing going in there i think could be a lot of fun and um i think the two sparking off each other should be you know very interesting and uh i think it's going to fit john travolta's like kind of heightened like ridiculousness sometimes uh very well to be honest um yeah, this one's got me very intrigued. It's a very well put together trailer, and um, it's coming out. I think it said June twelfth uh, for the US, so it's probably going to be more like August September over here. But it, um, it's one I'm very much looking forward to. And if this comes out in summer blockbuster season, I've got a feeling it could do pretty well. So uh, you know, we shall see. But uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I'm really am looking forward to this one. So uh, to uh, well one pretty great trailer one definitely great trailer and one meh trailer so a uh, pretty good week for trailer talking all i'd say and i hope to bring you more next week okay then it is time to kick off a new marathon and this time we are going to have a look at some unseen at least by me hitchcock and we are going to start with his 1942 film saboteur which stars Robert Cummings, Priscilla Lane, Otto Kruger, Alan Baxter, Clem Bevins, Norman Lloyd and Alma Kruger. Okay, Saboteur tells the story of Barry Kane, played by Robert Cummings, a uh, man who works at an airport, uh, airplane factory. Um, after a fire there, which kills Barry's best friend, um, Barry is implicated as starting the fire, and he says that, well, it wasn't me, you just have to ask Fry, a man he sees in passing and um, has a little confrontation with, uh, Fry played by Norman Lloyd. But he is told that there is no man called Fry at the 
airport uh, airplane factory and so Barry is fully implicated and so has to go on the run he is soon paired up with Patricia Martin played by Priscilla Lane and she soon comes to trust him and believe him and uh, he has to try and find Fry to clear his name so much of that plot outline sounds like a lot of other Hitchcock films it must be said normal man implicated in a crime he didn't commit or implicated in something and has to go on the run to clear his name um, but I'd never heard of this film before um, though it felt like fate that I announced the marathon and then I found that it was actually showing on British TV so I was able to watch it in a decent quality you know transfer and whatnot which was very enjoyable um but yeah no i'd never heard of this film it's one of hitchcock's kind of earlier films and it was pretty damn good it's got to be said um it's a it's a rather eccentric film um it's got a lot of kind of hitchcock isms in it and uh yeah it was just a lot of fun it starts off with this cracking title sequence where it's this shadow kind of coming towards you as the credits kind of go go on and on and uh, w which immediately kind of had me hooked and the the, the story soon kind of has uh, like grabs you really as Barry is implicated in a rather clever way it must be said and uh, then he goes on the run and meets up with some you know really fun characters you've got uh this truck driver mac played by murray alper who uh just you know he, he he's he, he's just very charming he, i said charming a lot in this show he's very funny he helps barry out with absolutely no evidence that he's a good guy apart from the fact that he seems like a good guy um you've got where is his name uh philip martin played by uh, vaughan glazer this uh blind man who uh knows more than he lets on who uh you know just trusts barry again it's very much a film about seeing the good in people which is one of, uh, which is one of the fun things about it but one of the reasons why it probably wouldn't be made today um in this way anyway and uh, I, I mean there's and there's a terrific scene where uh, Barry and Patricia meet up with this circus troupe in this like traveling like convoy and uh, the circus troupe including this awesome midget I've got to find his name but yeah the major played by uh, excuse me uh, played by Billy Curtis who uh, he's a little guy but he's very very mean but uh, the, the, the whole troupe have this discussion about trust and you know just whether these people could be responsible for the things they're being told they're responsible for and i it's just it's great stuff and, and, and i mean it's very good writing as well but also what helps the film is um the bad guys as well fry played by norman lloyd uh disappears for a good portion of the film but he's got this kind of really slimy sleazy dark kind of thing going on with his character and you're, you're just never quite sure why he's doing the things he's doing whether it's like for money whether he actually believes in it uh, I, I mean it's a it's a very interesting character who um contrasts very nicely with the main uh villain of the piece charles tobin played by otto kruger who is just a pure out and out bad guy and the intentions of the bad guys are also very interesting uh the film was made in 1942 so in the middle of world war Two, and it's very much about the enemy within um it's more like a film kind of made in the 50s uh, like a, a film being uh, something about communism you know the mccarthy um era but it because uh, i don't think there was a lot of I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think there was a lot of kind of suspicion from people in America thinking the Nazis were in there with them. But this does seem to be kind of saying that. It's people in high places, people who are successful, but greedy people who just want more and more power. 
and and so they're going to try and rig things in their way but then the things they're targeting would have it that it's some sort of military purpose it's very interesting it's never quite explained and that's the fact that it's not explained was very very satisfying to me the the, yeah the ambiguous nature of these villains was just a lot of fun and it's all very it's all done in a very high society way as well people are, are trapped at high society parties um the woman taken prisoner is given you know a good breakfast and a nice like bed and whatnot and uh it's just it's very very old school and uh, but it's very enjoyable uh, you know and i mean i think it fully deserves a 7.5 out of 10 rating on imdb as i'm looking at it now but one thing i would say is that much of it is theatrical in its in the performances and in the case of otto kruger playing as charles tobin that's fine his villain kind of does need to be theatrical I'm, I'm i like the fact he's not subtle but the lead performance uh robert cummings playing barry uh played uh, playing barry kane um he's very you know kind of like kind of stands up with his chest out and says things in a very kind of rehearsed way and i mean it, it you know it, it's just how it was done in those days but it it almost uh creeps into potential parody at times um even though i've got to say as well i was glad his friend um whose name i forget to be honest uh was wasn't in it that much uh that much because he's killed very quickly at the start because i thought it was going to be like a buddy thing for a minute there i didn't know a lot about the film going in and um his performance was awful i mean he was dire and uh i was very very glad he was out of it but um yeah robert cummings performance isn't the greatest it must be said but he does have good chemistry with um priscilla lane playing uh the initially unwilling but soon cooperative uh patricia um she's got an old school beauty she's supposed to be a model anyway and you can yeah i mean that's fair enough really uh, uh but you know she's got a, a lot of fight in her as well and she plays a pivotal role in in the ending of the film she's not a mere damsel in distress and that was very very satisfying it must be said so you know in all i really really enjoyed saboteur it was a lot of fun it's got a terrific climax as well on the uh statue of liberty which looking through the uh trivia on imdb i actually find uh was i mean that none of it was actually filmed in real place uh, like real these kinds of places because it couldn't be due to its uh, uh due to the, the war going on at the time so it was some terrific art direction and production design as well um yeah i just i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed um saboteur i would i would recommend it um wholeheartedly um one thing though it does drag a bit in the middle third um the film is nearly two hours long and it could have done with a bit cut out of it but to be honest with you it kind of feels churlish to complain because what is here is uh just an awful lot of fun and uh yeah, I think I think any any one of you guys listening would have a good time with it. So uh, that's my look at Saboteur, and next week we shall continue with uh, a film I've heard of and I'm very much looking forward to seeing actually, uh, Lifeboat. Right then, time for some feedback. Let's get su- stuck, sucked, no stuck, straight in with uh, Shane Day who says hey Ian just wondering if you've seen the Inglorious Bastards trailer yet, trailer yet. thoughts on it would uh, if you have would be appreciated and if you haven't I definitely recommend googling it as soon as you finish reading this uh, obviously I have seen it as you would have heard earlier on and uh, I said to Shane my thoughts and he replied uh, Shane my thoughts and he replied yeah it certainly looks interesting and brad's speech was brilliant me and my friend have been quoting i want my scalps ever since the preview popped up on the net two days ago still i'll wait to see if it's any good but it's definitely the most interesting thing tarantino has done in a long time shane uh i agree with the sentiments exactly refer to trailer talk basically don't have too much more to add to that but yeah uh what can i say i'm looking forward to it uh there's been a lot of buzz on the net about it and uh rightly so i think okay so thank you for that shane um Right, we will go now to Jim Moon, who 
offers more feedback. Thank you, Jim. And uh, thank you, Shane, as well. Uh, who says, Hey, Ian, no worries on starting the Hitchcock season late. Very handy having a TV show this week. I've got my video set. Well, as you may have guessed from this email subject line, which was new feedback at the autopsy of Benjamin Button. Very nice. Uh, I opted to go and see Ben Button over doubt. I know, I know, I should have took your advice, but hell, it's Fincher and seeing Brad Pitt as a wizened little gnome just couldn't be... Uh, what was it? Wizened. Wizened little gnome just couldn't be missed. But I did go in with lowered expectations and prepared for a very long film. Now, while I was very glad to have seen this on the big screen, this is a beautifully shot movie, I came out feeling rather dissatisfied with the whole affair. You were bang on when you said there's a lot of fat in this movie, and for the light and general story to work properly, the running time really needs to be under the two-hour mark. Despite its strong opening half, the film seems to lose its grip on the story's timeline. Once you get past World War II, there's very little period flavour evoked, but more importantly, events in Button's life are weighted all wrong. As you said, the scenes with his father could have been cut, but really, this subplot should have had far more screen time. And, spoiler alert, I really felt his decision to... Bah, 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 was just sketched in when it should have been delivering a huge emotional payoff. Tighter editing could certainly fix some of these issues. However, even if they trimmed it down to a less arse-numbing length, I suspect the dissatisfaction would still be there. The problem for me was that the script really failed to get to grips with the ageing backwards conceit. For a start, I felt that Button's ageing euphening was somewhat choppily handled, starting out smoothly but then hanging about in adulthood uh, and tossing away his regression back to a child in a montage. But what really jars is that there's no point to it. His condition is largely ignored by the characters, and the script doesn't give Button's character any insights from ageing backwards. When he is asked what it's like, will we get his, uh, I don't know really, when really, after a child had spent as young Mr. Grace from Are You Being Served, you'd expect the answer to be, this is bloody brilliant and air-punching all round. Flippancy aside, some scenes reflecting his joy at becoming more youthful would have given the later scenes, spoiler, like a good deal more weight and poignancy. As it stands though, you could pretty much ditch the aging backwards, replacing me with uh replacing me with an unpredictable disease and still tell the same story. Jim, are you Benjamin Button? Um I know I sound like I hated this movie, but I really uh just more annoyed with it because it's missed the chance to be a truly amazing movie. I can't decide whether it's a case of there, uh, there is a really good movie in there to be freed with editing, or that it needed expanding into two films. For me, Fincher's only misstep with this movie was not taking the script back to Eric Roth for rewrites. In everything else, he's really excelled. Anyway, anyhow, enough of my yakking. I suspect I'll be posting a very long review on the blog soon. Cheers, Jim. Uh, Jim's website, by the way, is www.hypnogoria.com. That's spelled H-Y-P-N-O-G-O-R-I-A. Uh, yeah, so uh, Jim very, uh, very, very eloquently um, puts across a lot of the feelings I had with the film as well. Um, yeah, so yeah, there is a lot of fat in the film. If it was two hours, I think it would have been great. Um, it's actually... There's another email about it here as well, so maybe I should... Do you know what? I'll deal with them both separately because the other email goes on about some um, some other stuff as well. So anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, that's a bloody good point actually about there being very little period flavour. Um, world, the World War Two bit and all that stuff before are really the only play times where you can actually place when Ben Button is at. Pardon me. Um, there is, I mean, there's that montage where uh, they're moving into that house and whatnot. And uh, is it the Beatles on the TV? I seem to remember. So you know that like that that like that's the 60s. But otherwise, it all seems to take place in the same kind of ambiguous time frame. Which, uh, yeah, that's a really good point, Jim. Because, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, the scenes with the father. Now, yeah, it could have been cut, or it could have been delved into more. Um. It's just, it's just the fact that he just forgives him so easily, and then that's pretty much it for the character. Um, and it's just, yeah, it just felt like there's just, it feels like there's a lot missing from this film, or there's a lot you could take out and have a leaner film. And yeah, exactly, it should have been taken back to Eric Roth for rewrites, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and a, a complaint that a lot of people have had, admittedly, is that, you know, the whole ageing backwards thing is a bit just there, lying on the screen, but isn't really much to do with anything. And that's a fair point, because apart from that, and I'm sure, many, actually I know many people have said this, he has a rather unremarkable life. So, um, 
it felt like that you needed the aging backwards just to give it the emotional heft that would be required at the end of the film as with the spoiler bits that i'm sure i hope jim you don't mind me not saying the spoiler bits but you know it's i'm sure not everybody's seen this film um but yeah i mean you could replace it with an unpredictable disease and still tell the same story i think i think you're right but this is the thing though i mean my feeling of feelings are very much like yours jim in the end of the day i did very much enjoy the film it's far from fincher's best but it's still better than most films out there but it's just the fact that it was a lot of it felt like such a missed opportunity that it i can't help but but it it be more kind of um negative in my mind but saying that when the blu-ray comes out i'll be buying it because it's a gorgeous looking film it's one i really do want to give another chance but until then i think it's just gonna have to kind of rot in my mind a bit to be honest uh we shall see what happens with the oscars next week though i suppose okay um so moving on to the uh, and thank you jim moving on to the last feedback of the week from james mcnulty thank you james who uh emails and says hey ian uh i'm just gonna have a bit of budweiser here just to um just to lubricate my parched throat hang on Sorry about that. Hey, Ian. Just wanted to give a few comments on the latest podcast. First of all, concerning Ben Button, I didn't really think it was that good, to be honest. There were clearly whole sections that could have been cut out, namely Tilda Swinton's moments. Good man. I haven't heard anybody... I'm pretty sure, anyway. I haven't heard anybody else but myself and James say that Tilda Swinton could have been cut out because she could have been cut out, damn it. Also... Uh, this back to James. Also, I did think that some of the early scenes with very old Pitt and very young Blanchett did have certain undertones in common with the old Werther's original adverts, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, you want another sweetie, little girl? Uh, the cre- crippling of Blanchett's sequence was her own bloody fault. If you don't look when you're crossing a road, shit happens. And I couldn't feel any of the sympathy you were meant to feel at the moment. The only thought I had was karma's a bitch. But this with regard to her treatment of Ben Button in the previous scene. Also, I saw the remake, reboot, reimagining of Friday the 13th, and thought it was rather good, though not a patch on the original two, but still good fun though. Although when watching it, it did rather follow the scream rules of the horror movie with the whole spoiler, ba 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 ba. But before it was, uh, it, 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 there was a trailer for a new Brit horror flick. I can't for the life of me remember what it's called, but it seems to follow the plot of some guys on a motorway, and he sees a van that, that's back shutters of the van fly up a bit, and he sees a girl screaming. He then proceeds to follow this van, and all manner of things ensue. Although my description of the trailer may not be too eloquent, I hope either you or one of the listeners may help me to remember the title of the film. You have probably already seen it, and it will probably be play. Uh, you'll probably be playing it during trailer talk. The trailer for *Inglorious Bastards*. Uh, it gives me a YouTube link. Um, you can find it easily on YouTube or the net generally if you want to see it in HD also. And it does look bloody good. The Spatch Jim. It looks very away from type from Tarantino, and I was surprised to see his name so prominently splashed across the trailer. That's a good point actually. Um, still there is no more to the plot than was put out in the first plot outlines, but still the release date at the end of the trailer has made me hope that it will be a worldwide release. Finally, how about a new top five for this week? Top five Friday the 13th kills. My list would be as follows: number five, Jason's mum at the end of part one. Number four, the grabbing through the window and being thrown onto the car from part uh, uh, part one. Sorry, that was uh, number five. Uh, number four, the grabbing through the window and being thrown onto the car from part four. Three, arrow in the head, part three. Two, head being punched off, part eight. One, the head being frozen and then destroyed with a hammer, part ten. Cheers, James McNulty. James, I'll be honest. Um, I rece- I, I only received James uh, James's email yesterday. I I haven't had time to even think about this but i will say the head being punched off in part eight is my favorite kill from any film of all time that scene alone makes me love jason takes manhattan uh, which is an otherwise awful film but that one the whole scene is incredible uh the guy say uh, the, the guy just punching jason again and again from one side of the roof to the other then then just telling him take your best shot and then jason punching his whole head off was just awesome and oh man, I love that kill. But the head being frozen is great. Well, actually, all those all those ones are great. So yeah, Ben Button again. Um, yeah, yeah. This is the thing with the Kate Blanchett bit. It's like uh, being run over a bit. If such and such didn't happen, and if such and such didn't happen, if this didn't happen, if that didn't happen, then she wouldn't have got run over. No. If you dance into the street not looking where you're going and you get hit by a car you're in f- 
fucking idiot. That's all there is to it. She brought it completely on herself by being so fucking flighty and obsessed with her bloody dancing that it was going to happen. And yeah, Karma is a fucking bitch. She was a twat to Ben Button for a lot of the film before that happened. And she, and she was a twat to him in the scene immediately after. She was horrible to him then. And she deserves it. Fuck it. That's a spoiler. But god damn it. Whatever. Just, yeah. I completely agree, James. Um, uh, yeah, Friday the 13th. Uh, glad you liked it. Uh, you've, uh, you've probably already heard my review. And that trailer, I do not know what the hell that is. Um, it sounds good, but uh, I'll tell you something. We haven't been trailering it at my work. Um, the only... I don't know. There's Jennifer Lynch's new film, Surveillance. Um... That's got a girl screaming in the trailer, and it's on a motorway, but it's certainly not British. But um, I, I'm intrigued. Yeah, if somebody can help me out, because I want to see this trailer. It sounds interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, that, it'd be uh, great to hear what that is. So uh, yeah, thank you very, very much, James, as always. And that is it for your listener feedback this week, and I hope to have more for you next week. Right, so that is it for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening, folks. Um, right, next week, a uh, bit of a slow re- uh, week release-wise in the UK. So uh, only one cinema review. I'm going to take a look at the uh, unfortunately jumper-looking uh, push. Um, that, but there'll also be the next part in the Hitchcock Marathon, taking a look at Lifeboat. Um I'm going to see what else, to be honest. I'm, I'm really not sure. Uh, might try and review a Blu-ray or two or something, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, maybe we'll go for that. But, um, yeah, a bit of a slow week next week. But then it's it's kind of going to start ramping up again after that uh, as we as we head uh, into the, the summer season, I suppose. Uh, I suppose Watchmen's the first big blockbuster of the year. But they... They kind of come thick and fast after that, I suppose. Uh, you've got Fast and Furious in April, and then May's got some big hitters. So, anyway, we shall see. Uh, but there will be uh, trailer talk, hopefully. Uh, listener feedback, hopefully. Uh, uh, movie news, hopefully. Um, and, yeah, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so, uh, it, it might be a shorter show than usual, but we'll see. Um, okay, feedback is more than welcome. Please email cineramapodcast at yahoo.co.uk. I want voicemails, goddamn you. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at twitter.com forward slash Ian Loring. You can read me at The Rattle at www.therattle.co.uk. Uh, votes for Podcast Alley appreciated as are reviews on iTunes. Reviews on iTunes would be awesome. They are what get you noticed by the iTunes people, apparently. So reviews, reviews, reviews. Go on, folks. Please, 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 please. Pretty please with a, with a cherry on top. Uh, but yes, until next week, have a good week, folks. Uh you can speak to me on Twitter and whatnot, um, and uh, or through the rattle. So you know you've got options, or email, or voicemail, or whatever. Uh, so yeah, let's get a dialogue going. Let's let's have a chat, uh, and I'll uh, otherwise I'll speak to you next week. All right, take it easy. Bye bye.